that the Word of God not only makes a difference in their life, but ours as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of these men were told about power so feed you, don't worry about the rest of it. The reason they don't worry about the rest of it is because God will, God will feed you only so much. You can't feed yourself no more. I mean, you're done. You're, you're wore out, you're tired of eating. Then the music comes along. Mm-hmm. And then there's another step that comes along. And then the cookies are, are just something that's just another thing. Well, believe it or not, you can get tired of cookies when you see mounds of them in front of you. <laughs> so when God gets an opportunity to step it up, Yeah. We make sure that it's announced, and then we have a closing where these people come in and get to hear these men that say, "I've been in nine different prisons in the last thirty-four years. I want you to know I'm done. I found Christ, and that's what they said. Now it ain't just me. Mm -hmm. I'm callous to this anymore. You know, I I don't get as emotional as some people do, but I can. When I see a man say something like that, I haven't heard, or I've really seen somebody change their ways as the weekend went. Bitterness has gone away, and the love is starting to shine through, you know. And how can I say any other way that they, they start loving Christ, you know. It, it, the men are just a tool. We, we, are, we are changed, too. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about us going in when you were walking around. Mm-hmm. Thinking, you know, well, I wasn't no man. I don't need to be going there. I'm, I, uh-uh. I, I, Let's I, talk about I, them. I ain't got no education when it comes to reading stuff. No. Nope. Speaking out. But you know what? If you let him work with you, he'll get you through it. And people will tell you how much of a difference. It is. Yeah. It is. And you know what? Romans chapter 1 says this. It says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. Is the power of God unto salvation. And when you bring that word in. To those men's hearts. They start cracking. And it starts going. Why? Because that word for. It's the power of God. Is the word for dynamite. It's dynamite. In the original Greek language. It blasts the rock. It tears it apart and allows these mustard seeds of faith that we talked about last week and going to talk about today to, to have a crack and a crevice to drop down into and to grow and to spring forth. And I have seen amazing things and I've heard amazing things. And so bottom line also, like they said, you are a part of that ministry. The prayers, the cookies, the placemats, the things that you do is a ministry towards that. The, if there's any men who are now moved to want to join to be a part of that, they need more men. The more men who do that and participate, the more men inside that they can share with. It's a numerically balanced thing. There's an outside ministry. So you you've ladies who are good at counseling and providing something, answers with people, and just being there to listen and to hug. 
There's an outside ministry for the the ladies whose men are incarcerated as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a big ministry. So, so talk to these guys about it. And uh, now as we get ready for the Word of God, let's, let's go to Him in prayer, and we'll close it out, and then we'll open up His Word. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Oh, it was so nice to be outside yesterday and have windows open and feel your fresh air and your breeze. Hear your birds singing in the trees and praising you. Every morning, the earth awakens to your mercy and grace and praises you. And Father, we, we are gathered here together today as your body of Christ to worship and praise you. And we pray, Father that our worship to you is pleasing in your sight and that it glorifies you. We pray that everything we do is a way to minister to you. And Father, this morning, as, as we get ready to soak in the word that you have breathed and recorded on these pages so that we can, we can live by them, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that your mouth has spoken. So Father, we pray that these words will edify us, will build us up, give us faith and strength and hope so that we in turn can worship you and go out and make disciples for you, Father, for that is our calling and our prayer. May our minds be open, may our heart be receptive, and may your spirit be at work. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you want to Go ahead and turn there with me to get ready. We'll be continuing in Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6. And uh, last week we began this two-parter about Gideon. And uh, um, the mustard seed faith. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 31, 32, He put forth a parable saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the least of all seeds. It's very tiny. But when it is grown, it's greater than all of the herbs of the field, and it grows up to be a tree that so even the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. Stand up. So I walk up there to give Ray a hug this morning, and it says, Matthew, and that's the second parable, 1720, Mustard seed faith, and it's the, it's the mustard uh, emblem for the French's mustard and stuff. So, mustard seed faith. Jesus said that that small seed grows into a huge tree that the birds of the air can come and nest in. This faith is going to take Gideon from a mustard seed, hidden and planted in the ground, because you know where he's at when we first found him? He was in... Uh, where the wine uh, press was, where he was the wine press, and he was winnowing wheat and thrashing the wheat. He's hidden down in this place, buried away from the sight of everyone because he's afraid. God's going to grow him from being planted in there by himself into a tree that 300 men are going to follow as a leader into battle against about 130 to 150 thousand men he's going to grow that and so now 
in Judges chapter 6, down around verse 12, Gideon was told by this angel that comes and sits down in this uh, tree and stuff. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. And when he said that, it surprised him. And he looks up, and you got to think, he's hiding. He's in this wine press threshing wheat. And he should be outside winnowing that wheat and letting the air blow the chaff. And he looks up at him, and I'm sure that he had to say, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, because you don't know me. You're calling me a mighty man of valor. You're far off. You, you, you can't know who I am. And then he goes on with something like this. If God is as big because God has sent a prophet and told him that, you know, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt and did all of this, and you, you, but you've forsaken me. But he, this man says, I've heard all of that stuff. I've heard about the big God of our fathers that brought us out of Egypt, that parted the Red Sea, that was able to bring water out of a rock that could water two million people in a wilderness and their animals. But yet, where is that God today? I'm glad nobody in here has ever said that. I'm glad none of us has ever said, man, have you seen the problems? I know that the preacher keeps telling me that God's right there with you and that he's powerful and he's going to do this and that. But, Lord, where is he today? I've got bills. I've got these things going on. I've got sickness. I've got health. Why do I keep, keep having all of these problems? Why do, do I keep getting into a battle of words with people? Why is my job going so bad? Where is this big God? It's a fair question. He says, okay, let's start on a path. First of all, I am with you. You are going to deliver the people and you're going to defeat the enemy because I am with you. And then that night he comes to him, and I'm bringing you up to speed from what we discussed last week, but that night he comes to him and he says, here's what I want you to do, Gideon, first thing. I want you to take these two bulls and I want you to hook the first one up to that idol of Baal that your dad's got out there in the backyard. Because see, he lived there on the family farm and they had the town's idol in their yard. Baal and the grove of Ashtaroth was right there in their backyard. He says, first of all, if you want to see the working of God in your life, pull that idol down and cut that grove down and take that wood and chop it up and offer up a sacrifice to God. Build an altar to God right there on that rock and take that ashtarapo and offer up a, an idol to me. You know why? We got some things in the backyard that needs to be taken care of sometimes if we want to be able to see the power of God at work in our life. So he did that. He went ahead, he was fearful, he grabbed a couple of guys and he went and they tore it down, they did that and in the morning and that's where we're picking up our story now is that next morning after they've tore that down, the people of the village starts to come out. They're coming out to worship Baal before they get ready to go off onto their lives this morning and he says this, who has tore this down? The offering was still on the altar. And it was still that aroma up to God going up. And they say, who has done this? Who did this? And they said, it was Gideon. 
the son of Joash there who did this and, and tore that down and, and brought that, uh, put the altar up to God. And you know what they said? Bring him out and let's kill him. Let's kill him for what he's done with our God. <laughs> you see, that's why you ain't been seeing the power of God. They've been wondering. You had to tear that down. But you know what Joash, his father, said? And boy, this is amazing. Joash said this. He said, you ain't laying a hand on my boy. You see, the courage of Gideon is beginning to rub off on his dad. And next it's going to rub off on the villagers. And next it's going to rub off on the entire nation. But he says, you're not going to do a thing to my boy. You know why? Because if Baal is actually a god, let him defend himself. If he's big God, let him defend himself. He doesn't need you taking care of it. If he is all that, then let him defend himself against him if he wants to do something to my boy. So you know what they did? They gave him a nickname. Because nothing happened when they brought him out. You know what his nickname was? Jerub Baal. And you know what that means? The one who contended against Baal. And it didn't affect him. He stood up against Baal. And Baal could not take him down. It's building faith in the people. But here's the thing. Gideon still doesn't see himself as a great man or as a leader. He's now fearful. He's being told that you're going to go and deliver uh, my people from the Midianites that's coming around. And he's saying, I can't do that, Lord. I'm going to need some signs. Well, the rest of the people in their eyes see him as the leader and are giving him a nickname. My wife's not here, so I can, I can, I'm going to make a plug while she's not in here. I, I, I'm going, don't tell her, okay, I told you this. The folks on Wednesday night heard this a couple weeks back, but I'm going to tell you. See, it's talking about nicknames there with Jerubile that they, that they called Gideon. I told him, I said, my wife, I gave her a nickname too. Booger. <laughs> yeah, her nickname's Booger. I was asked, well, well why'd you nickname her Booger? And I said, because I picked her. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell her I said that. Anyway. You don't always see yourself as other people see you. They are looking at him as a leader. Inside, he's thinking, I'm still nothing. I'm a nobody. So, he starts to build faith. He says, Lord, if you're with me, I've got this piece of fleece. And if you will put dew on it, and not on the ground, maybe I'll believe you're with me. We don't ever test God with stuff, do we? I remember I did when I was in the service. Lord, if you help me get out of here alive, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. I, I did some testing too. But the Lord's gracious and he came that night. And the next morning, the first thing Gideon did was went out there and he rang a bowl full of water out of that sheepskin. But there was nothing on the ground. Should have been good, shouldn't it? But it wasn't. He said, don't be mad at me, Lord, but I'm going to test you one more time. This time, I want you to do the opposite. I want the ground all wet, but I want that wool skin to be dry. Went to bed, 
Woke up the next morning and it was so. And he began to feel like God was with him. So that mustard seed sprouting. And it's growing. And now it says that the Spirit of the Lord moves mightily upon him. And he blows the trumpet because it's a good thing he's starting to get this strength. Because it says the Midianites have camped out in the valley down there. And they're getting ready to come in. Remember where we found him? Threshing wheat. It's harvest time. They came in as marauders every year and brought all of their camels and their herds. And they came, they allowed the Israelites to plant and do all the work. And then they came in and grazed their animals and thrashed the whole place. So they're camping there. They're getting ready to take all of their vittles and everything. And the Spirit of the Lord works on him and he blows the horn and all of his relatives come and he says, Go throughout the land of Naphtali and all of our people that's out in here and tell them that, that we've, we've got to gather together to fight against this army and to get them going. And that's in verse 33 there when the Amalekites and the Midianites come in the valley of Jezreel and they, they gather all of the people together. You know why? Because he's lit a fire. The fire started when he burnt the grove and offered the sacrifice to the true God. Now the fire is continuing to grow because it spread from his dad and from the people of the town to now it's going out into the villages. And we talked the other night. I was talking with Daniel the other night. He says, this is why we gather together to worship God and to learn and to be a part of each other's life. Because we talk about lighting that fire and keeping everybody lit. Go out and build you a cowboy campfire. And take one of those logs and set it aside while the rest of it's burning. What happens to the one that you set aside that's not no longer in the fire? Goes out, doesn't it? It quits burning. But what happens when you grab that log and put it back in the fire? It starts... Yeah... You got to grab it with with something beside your bare hand if it's still hot, but it 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 starts back on fire, doesn't it? That's why we have to gather together and not let the one sheep go astray, like it says. We go and seek after that one and bring it back to the fire, and that's why we gather together to learn because faith is contagious. Gideon's faith, when they saw he stood against Baal, and then Baal couldn't harm him, that God protected him, it began to build faith. And that mustard seed is now growing. The birds of the air are starting to gather around to test if it's strong enough to hold them. And so they're all gathered around, and it's just in time. Because they're gathered to start taking away the harvest. And, uh, but again, Gideon begins to doubt. And you know, I've never shared this with you either. You guys are learning a lot this morning about, about my younger days. Uh, my, my favorite country star is Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> oh yeah, Bo Cephas. Yeah, that kind of tells a lot. But he's got this song. Old habits like you are hard to break. Gideon's got an old habit. And that habit is worry and doubt and fear. And he just can't shake it. And it keeps coming back every time that a good thing happens. Let me tell you something. 
Every time a good thing happens in your life spiritually, and you think, wow, I saw God at work. You know, that's setting you up for a fall, don't you? Because that's when the enemy likes to attack and bring you down. Almost every time. Be ready. Because after you've had a good experience, and after you've seen power of God at work, there's something that's always going to try to tear you down and bring, bring that doubt and fear. And here he comes back again. So he goes back and he's been asking God to help him and to show him signs. And the fear begins to go in here. And he says, look, I'm with you. Go and gather the people and go do the job I sent you to do because I told you there's power and might. He's been doubting. God gives him the two confirmations let's go and do the work that I sent you to do to save my people and it's about time because now we begin chapter 7 if you're following along and in verse 1 what's the first two words there in chapter 7 then Jerubbabel you know why God is trying to continually show us in this story that you are not who you think you are Gideon keeps thinking I'm low on the totem pole. I'm worthless. I, I'm not worthy of this. And every time he has a doubt, the word of God changes it back to his nickname. The one who stood and won the battle against Baal. He's trying to let you know every day that I am with you. It's not about your strength. It's not about your might. It's about my power that's going to be working with you as I go with you. So Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early. And they encamped also now beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. So I want you to know something. They're down there. This army is littered in the valley. It's going to say in a minute that they're like grasshoppers everywhere and that their camels are innumerable down in there. But Gideon is still going down there. He's, he's fearful, but they're calling him by his nickname that they gave him. So in their eyes, he is the leader. And that point is, is that, that you are what God says you are, not what you think you are. So God says you are this. And, and I want you to know something. He's not sharing. God's not a tattletale. God's not sharing your weakness and your fear and all of your doubts with everyone else. The people around him think he's the leader. We're going to find out in a minute that the people that's camped out there knows he's a leader. So God's not sharing that with them. That's between you and him. That's between you and him. And God's going to work to get you to where he wants you to be as well. And it's getting tight. It's harvest time. It's imperative that we do the job. So we get ready to go. And so Gideon, like we said, he sounded the trumpet. He sent out the messengers. The men arrive. And you know how many men arrived? 32,000, it says. 32,000 men from the four tribes that they sent, and these were the lesser tribes, that he sent them out to. And you might say, wow, that was a good turnout. Look at all the people that thinks that he's a leader. <laughs> that should relieve some of his doubts, shouldn't it? 
Well, no, because we're still at about 5 to 1 odds because there's about 150,000 men down there. We're at about 5 to 1. You know what the world would tell you? The world would say, you got to get some more help, wouldn't it? You better go to some of those other tribes, the big ones like Judah and Simeon. Go to some of those bigger tribes, Ephraim, Benjamin. Get some warriors. The men of Benjamin were known. What's God do? God's silly, isn't he? He said, son, you got too many folk here for me to work with you. What? Are you kidding me? No, you got to get rid of some people. So here's something I want you to do. We don't want any that is fearful and afraid to go into the battle with me. So tell everyone, get out of jail free card. If you're fearful and afraid, you can go home now. You know how many men went home? <laughs> 22,000. 22,000 men said, I'm fearful and afraid and I'm out of here. And they turned tail and they left. That left him with 10,000 folk. Well, now we're, we're down to about 15 to 1. That's really doing something for his faith, isn't it? <laughs> and his doubt. So God's trying to teach you something. It ain't about me. God said, if I let you go to battle with a lot of folk, you guys are going to claim the victory. You're going to say that it was by my strength and my power and my will. But it's not. So I've got to show you that it's me that is working in your life and working in this congregation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut it down even some more. And so he says, the Lord's in charge and he picks, get this now, he picks who goes to battle with him. He said, first take out these people. And now he says, I want you to do something else because I'm going to choose who your friends are. I want to choose who hangs with you. I want to make sure that the people that are hanging with you and that you're hanging with are the right people for you to be able to win this spiritual warfare that we're in. So here's what I want you to do next, Gideon. I want you to march them around and hike them down until you get to some water. I want them real thirsty. And whenever you get to water, I want you to watch what's going to happen. And every man who lays down on, on all fours and sticks their face into the water, I want you to watch for that, that sign. And I want you to separate those men one way. But then the, the one who kind of just squats down and remains upright. Oh, come on now. The one who remains upright, what are we supposed to be before God? The one who remains upright in their way and reaches down to get the water and keeps their eyes open on the task at hand, keeps their eyes open on God's plan and God's word and what God wants you to do. That guy who does this and, and laughs it like a dog and looks up, I want you to separate him out over there. You say, what's the significance? I don't know. Here's one thing. I think God knows our habits. I think God knows how we operate every day in life and knows our habits. And he knew, I only need 300 men. And in this group of guys I got here, there's 300 men that, that drink this way. And there's uh, 9,700 that do it the opposite way. I think he knows our habits on what we do. Second thing is this. 
God's got to get us down to a point to where he can work with us, you know. He, he's saying this, we're going to get him down and get the test, and he knows our habits. But then he says this, are you ready? See those men who have their face down the water? Do you see the little kind of circular thing that they got going on there in the artist rendition? Let me tell you what Proverbs chapter 27 verse 19 says. As in water, face reflects your face. And so a man's heart reveals the man. God says, if you got your eyes on me, you got your face down there in the mirror when I've called you out to do a task and what you're looking at is me and what can I get out of this and what's God going to do for me otherwise I don't care about this deal. God says, those people ain't in this battle with me right now. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for them. We're going to take care of them. We're going to welcome them because you know what's going to happen in a minute? When the 300 win the battle, they, the, the cry goes out. The rest of these guys who were walking home that night, the, uh, first the whole group of 22,000 and these guys, all of a sudden, they're going to come running once the Midianites are hitting the trail and going. You see, there's some folks that's still on that journey of faith that needs our help and they don't need to be in the heat of the battle but they need to come in and join in the spoils of it so that their faith gets strengthened too okay we're going to work with these folks here in a minute Gideon but right now I need the 300 battle tested to go in here with me at first that's got their eyes on me and are upright when they drink and the people who's still learning to get to that point We're going to bring them along in a minute. And pretty soon they're going to be drinking water the same way you did. So now he gets ready. Because what he wants is, is I put this in here with it. James 1, 22 through 24 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You know, I've done that before. I've looked in there and I forget where I came from. I forget what God's done for me and the blessings of life. It's not about me, it's about God. So God says, I want people who's ready to put it all in mind, my thing. Let's watch closely who your friends are. Who you got around and how are they influencing you and are they going to help you win the battle? So now we get to work and we get ready to go. And so they're out there. God wants us to live to glorify Him. And He says, I can take 300 people and beat 150,000 men. And that way I get the glory for what I'm doing in your life. So I'm going to choose who goes into the battle with me and here we go. So now... The Lord says to Gideon, okay, we got it down to 300. Tonight's tonight. I'm going to deliver Midian into your hands tonight. But he knows, remember that song, Old Habits Are Hard to Break? He, he still knows Gideon is fearful and a doubter. 
from way back. So it's going to take him some time too. And you say, I thought, wait a minute, I thought God separated all those that are fearful and told them to go and leave the battle and they went home. Why is Gideon still here? Because there's two types of ways that you handle fear. One is I'm fearful and afraid and I'm going to turn tail and run and I ain't going to face it. The other one says, you know what, I'm fearful and I'm afraid, but I'm going to do what God told me to do and I'm going to go ahead and face the battle because he said he's going to be with me in it. And so that's the difference between Gideon and the men who turned around. Gideon's fearful and afraid, but he's still hanging on to what God said. He's growing that mustard seed faith and so he's going to put his trust in him no matter if I'm still afraid. And you know what God does to those of us who are like that? He keeps holding our hand and leading us on And strengthening us and saying, come on, I'm going to show you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to help you understand I'm with you. So here's what it is. I'm going to deliver them into your hand tonight, Gideon. But the Lord says, if you're still afraid, I want you to take one of your friends, one of your servants, and I want you to go down there to the camp. And I want you to go and listen to what the men are saying in that camp. Oh, you got to listen to what your enemies say sometimes. So he... He does it. So what's that tell me? He's still afraid. Because he said, if you're still afraid, go down there and listen. So he takes Furah, his servant, and he goes down. You know how big a step of faith that was? He and one other man is going down to the camp of the Midianites. There's 150,000 men down there. Two of you. You know what's going to happen if we went out on a recon and there's just two of us and the army of 150,000 find you and they learn that you are the one that's in charge of the army up there. You know what they're going to do to you to scare the others and show them? That's a big step of faith. What happens if you sneeze or cough or trip or a rock goes rolling? You're, you're give away to them, aren't you? Tell you something. When you walk in faith, the Lord's going to protect you no matter what happens. So he goes down there and he begins to listen. He goes down to that campsite. And here's what he hears the enemy saying. He says this. He says, I had a dream. These two guards are sitting out there. He says, I had a dream last night that this barley loaf came rolling down the hill and rolled into our camp And knocked all of the tents in the valley over. Barley loaves, by the way, were the bread of the poor. It was like, you can look it up, it's like three measures of barley equals one measure of fine grain. Who did did Gideon think he was? The lowest. And I come from the poorest family. That barley loaf is the one that's going to come rolling in. And the other one says, that's not just no dream. That means, that, that represents Gideon. What's he calling? A man of God. Woo-hoo! You see what your enemies are thinking about you too? Whenever you're walking in faith, even they, even though they're against you, they've still got an ear going, that, everything that happens, they're saying, God's working with him. God's getting ready to overtake this even though they refuse to follow God. you got to listen sometimes because that will build your faith because they're not jealous of you for no reason. 
they're, they, they're jealous because you got something they ain't got. You got faith. And he's going down through there. And he, he hears that. And he says, God is definitely with us tonight. How many times did God have to tell Moses to tell Joshua to be strong and of good courage and to fear not and go into the battle? A bunch, didn't he? He's got to tell us too. But he's working with us. He goes down there. He hears that. Now, now he becomes the tree. Now that seed that was sprouted in the wine press back in chapter 6 is sprouted to the tree. And he says, come on. He gets to the camp, to the 300 men. He said, God is with us in this thing. And tonight, he is delivering our enemies into our hands. And here's what we're going to do. And he puts them around in relay. And Miss T, I'm going off on this. This isn't on the, this isn't on the program. But here's what happens. He says, every one of us take a trumpet. Every one of you take a torch. And every one of you take a bowl and hide it underneath of it. And here's what we're going to do. A hundred's going to go that way. A hundred's going to go that way. And a hundred's going to be with me. And you follow me. You see how far he's come? He's a leader now. He says, and I want you to follow my example. And when I blow my horn and I break my pitcher, I want you to raise that torch. I want your horns to blow. And we're going to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon is coming in on you. And we're going to charge him. And that's just exactly what they did. And those men, in the middle of that night, you know what happened? close to 150,000 men started killing each other. Because when they saw the, the torches everywhere, they thought every one of those torches represented a squadron of men. They thought they were surrounded by hundreds of thousands of men. You see what the Lord can do in your life? You see what kind of fear He can put into the enemy? Look, they rise up. They're looking around. We are surrounded. We, what's their idea? we got to run. So they start running, but you know what? People's in their way. They imagine that that is the enemy. And so they're killing their own people trying to get away because of the fear that the Lord had put in their hearts. And you know what? When he went down there and heard what the enemy's saying, it reminds me of what the Lord said when he said, go over and take the land that I am given to you, he said, because I've already went before you, and I've already prepared the land for you. Now guys, we don't know what life has in store for us. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know what's coming next, but I'm going to tell you this. The Lord's already went ahead of you and is preparing the way. The way's already prepared. All you got to do is trust in Him. It looks like insurmountable odds. It looks like there's no way out. And this is doomed. But the Lord says, I've already went ahead of you. And I've prepared the way for you. And that promise is the same with us. I will be there with you. Now, as our, our team comes on back up and we get ready to close this out, what can I take home with me from that? We got the same promise, don't we? You know, the Lord said in Matthew twenty-eight seventeen through 20 that they were doubting. Look at that up there on verse 17. Those, those disciples said when he had risen and came back, they were doubting. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples. 
I want you to go make disciples, and then I want you to teach them everything I've told you to do. And then he says what? I'm with you. Always. Even to the end of the age. So then, he says this in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to tell you about the gospel of Christ that I've preached to you, wherein you stand, which also has saved you, and you stay centered in that faith. And then he goes down and he tells us this. We got an enemy too, just like they had an enemy. And that enemy is sin, Satan, and death. And it says there, Jesus has already went before us. On the cross... He's already went before us and he's took care of sin, Satan, and death. And it says right there in verse 26 that the last enemy of us that's going to be destroyed is death. And then it's going to say down there in the bottom of this, and we, we hit this Wednesday night too, how that we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This mortality is going to put on immortality. This corruption is going to become incorruptible. And we're going to live with him forever. And then you know what we're going to say to that enemy? O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is your victory? The victory has been won by my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you are here today... He's paid that price for you too. And He's won that victory for you. And if you're in Him, we continue to walk in faith. And He's going to be like Gideon. He knows that we're going to have doubts and fears and stumbles. And He's going to hold our hand. He's going to take us all the way there. He says, I'm with you always. The same promise He made there. Even to the end of the age. And if you're here and you're not in Christ... And today's the day. It's time you did. Do you want to face that enemy on your own? I don't think so. I don't want you to be sent outside that the Lord's help. Come to Him today. But if you're here and you need that strength and you need those prayers and you need some help, let that be known too. And we're going to pray for you because you know why? We want to keep everybody on that campfire and everybody lit and everybody strong in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for winning the victory over our enemy. And we thank you for these examples that you've given. And there's, there's not a dot of an I or a cross of a T in your word that's not important for us. And through this, we have learned how that even I can become a mustard seed to a strong bush. How that we have the same promise of I am with you. You win the victory because I win it for you. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son. Thank you for winning the victory and telling us if, if we are in faith with thee and believe in him that we can have everlasting life. We know it's going to be tough, Father, because a lot of us are facing tough things in life right now and we're scared and we're afraid. We have doubts. Be patient with us like you were with Gideon. Lead us to the Scriptures and to the faith and to the things that will continue to reassure us and show us that you're there with us.
Because you always are. You promised it. And you can't break a promise. We trust you. We love you. And we thank you for this example. And what it can do for our life going forward in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.